Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. chance to see Tua throw the ball to, to myself but and that's the next question like he's a <laughs> he's that dude bro one five is the strongest arm but as far as accuracy wise i'm going with Tua all day everything that tyree kills said is going to put more pressure on Tua to be accurate to run the offense effectively to deliver the football in the bread basket. I mean, like, this is like comparing, I don't know, uh, like Ferraris to, I don't know, something else, right? Like a Kia Sedona. I don't know. Like, that's not, what are we doing with Patrick Mahomes into a tongue of Iowa? Like, stop. How about this? Joe Burrow, Instagram, my spidey sense is starting to tingle a little bit. A little bit. OBJ, the one. Hey. Last year, the longer OBJ lingered on the market, we're saying for anybody, if he lingers long enough, the Rams are going to make a run at him. And now, the longer the Rams let him linger, the longer the Rams play this, somebody else is going to show up. And I think this is the type of situation, to me, that's perfect for Odell Beckham Jr. Hey, we're the Bengals. We don't need you right now. Take your time. Get healthy. Hey, help our two young receivers out, too, Jamar Chase T. Higgins, because everywhere you go, receivers literally eat out of your hands like little baby birds. What was your big takeaway from hanging out with Joe Burrow? It's hot as hell there. Let me just say that. I mean, this is what I'm sitting out there. I just saw me rubbing my forehead. Yeah, yeah, don't wear black in the summertime, Johnny Cash. What's with all the black? You look like you're going to a funeral. Right now, that's what, that's all I'm doing is, is want to clear my name and be able to let all the facts come out in the court of law and, and be able to focus on that. It's too late to clear your name. Exactly. So that's over. Right. Right. You just have to accept the fact that your name is forever stained by this, and now you have to do damage control. You're not going to clear your name. I'm sorry. You know whether you're guilty or not. It's just it's too far down that path. Now we got to start thinking about what's the best move for you. You know going forward and. And, and, and how does that mean playing football? 
Browns fans shouldn't have to be in this position where they're expected to take up this effort for Deshaun Watson. So it should have been settled. I think I'm part crazy. I mean, I think that's the reality. <laughs> 45 years old. But, you know, I had the appetite to compete. And uh, it's going to be gone soon. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And I got to, you know, just really appreciate what the time I have left because it's not a lot. Tom, one of the things you got to learn about getting older, do not surrender territory, Father Time. You're still 44. And I was surprised that he was so candid about his appetite to compete. Yeah. It's not going to be here much longer. How does he know that as long as he has an appetite to compete? Like, when I have an appetite for pizza, I don't say it's going to be gone soon unless I know there's a big-ass pizza waiting for me to eat the whole thing. It seems like this was probably the first offseason he had to go, wait, I do I really want to do this again? Do I really want to go through it? Let me retire, step away for a minute, or reassess, even though I don't think he really was retiring in my heart of hearts. I think he was making a play to go to Miami. That was the best of the week that was our final week before a five-week break. And on our final show of our final week before our five-week break, we bust open the mailbag. Let's begin with a question from at... JR, the boss man, in the aftermath of the Golden State Warriors beating the Boston Celtics last night after the Celtics were up 12 early, the Warriors blew the doors off of the Celtics and they never really got back into it. Which NFL dynasty would you compare the Warriors dynasty with? They have now won four championships in the last eight seasons. Shireen? I think I'm probably going to go with the team that's right there where they play, Mike, and that's the 49ers in the 80s because they had 81, 84, 88, 89. So over a nine-year period, they won four right there, and I know they ended up with more than that. But but the four in the 80s that, that they won made them the team of the decade, and I think that's sort of where the Warriors were are now with four titles in, in eight seasons. So I'm going to go with the team that plays right there where they play. See, the difference, though, is they got another one a couple of years later without their Steph Curry. They had another Steph Curry who was able to come in and get another one. I'm going to go with where they played last night, the Patriots, but not the full 20-year Patriots. I'm going to go more second half because really there's two halves to the Patriot dynasty. And the second half was founded on excitement and offense. The first half was more about defense when they won their championships. Obviously, it started to morph into more offense after they won their three championships in four years. But I think more about this run that the Patriots had post-2012, 2013, when they kicked it into gear again and won three more. That, that to me, is the closest that the Warriors are if we're going to go apples to apples to the NFL. Yeah, that, and that's a pretty good comparison too, Mike. And, and we've had so many great dynasties here in the NFL that, you know, you, you want to compare. Nobody compares. In my mind, nobody compares to the Patriots and what they've done for as long as they've done it. But they need to do it with another quarterback. Like you talked about the 49ers, did it with Steve Young after Joe Montana, somebody after Steph Curry. Patriots need to show that they can do it after Tom Brady, and they haven't done that yet. That That's something that, that remains for them to accomplish. And I've talked to Robert Kraft two or three times in interviews about 
him talking about we're going to be fine when Tom Brady leaves. We think we have the, the program, the organization in place, the coach in place, all of those things that we need to continue this. So now they need to prove that they can be the Patriots and the dynasty that they were without Tom Brady. Our good friend at a Red Zona UK from the other side of the Atlantic Ocean. Is there a chance Deshaun Watson never plays again in the NFL? Is there a chance that that happens, Shereen? I say no, Mike, because he's young enough and I, I think he will play in the NFL. May not be this season. I don't know. May may not be part of next season. I don't know. But I do think he plays again in the NFL, Mike. Now, now look, if we're going to go literally like dumb and dumber, so you're saying there's a chance, there is a chance that he would never play in the NFL again because, for example, the 24th person who sued him was someone that his legal team had never heard of before. Well, that person could go to uh, a prosecutor, could, could go to a grand jury, could result in a criminal trial that could result in Deshaun Watson being convicted. There could be others out there that we don't know about. There is a chance that he'll never play in the NFL again because there's still a chance he'll be prosecuted, even though he was not indicted on 10 criminal complaints that were brought to grand juries earlier this year. So, yeah, there's a chance. Is it a likelihood? No, but there is a chance. And I think the bigger question is, if for some reason he doesn't play this year, you got two years out of football. Yeah. At, at, at what point have your skills eroded where you're never going to get them back to that highest possible level? It's a sport you play your whole life, and then all of a sudden you don't play it at all for two years? What are you going to be like in 2023 if you even play then or 2024? So I'd say there's a remote chance he never plays again. The real question is how much more time does he miss before he plays again and what impact will that have on his ability to play? At Tyler Hergert, what should we expect for Roger Goodell testifying before the U.S. House Oversight Committee on June 22? Shereen, what are you looking forward to hearing from him? Well, I want to see if he's going to actually answer the questions or if he's going to filibuster around and not really provide any true answers. And that's what I expect to happen, Mike. I don't know that we're going to get any good answers from him at this hearing, but uh, we'll, we'll see what he says. I know of one question that will be asked unrelated to the Washington investigation and how it was handled by the NFL and why the results were covered up. I've asked the question twice this week, and they haven't answered me. Well, they're going to have to answer whichever member of the committee asks Roger Goodell to explain how it is that Daniel Snyder isn't available to participate because he's involved in commanders-related business at a time when, according to the commissioner himself, Daniel Snyder should not be involved in commanders-related business. And and I I, I asked the NFL— Am I missing something here? Help me understand this. Where are the parameters? Where are the contours? What's he allowed to do and not allowed to do? Maybe maybe this is permissible. I will interpret their silence to mean we would prefer not to answer the question because there is no good answer to the question. It's kind of how they deal with the questions I ask that they don't answer unless I ask them at least three times. Sometimes it takes more than that. But so far, I've asked twice with no answer. 
the commissioner will be wise, Shireen, to answer that question the first time it's posed to him, and I assume it will be next Wednesday. Yeah, and it's a, it's a great question, and Daniel Snyder continues to serve on NFL committees, and we all know he was there when they unveiled their uniforms and new team name and all of that, so we all expect that he still has a hand in the organization on a day-to-day basis. I, I just... I I think he does. So that is probably the best question that's going to be asked in this thing, and the commissioner is going to be fully prepared probably to answer that question. But I don't know that there's a good answer for that because I think it's obvious that he's still involved in the day-to-day operations of the team and of the NFL. It's all been one big middle finger to everyone, the way that Snyder has, by all appearances, defied the terms of this non-suspension suspension. And we should have known. Remember, there was mixed reporting. Is he suspended or is he doing this voluntarily? Can he come back whenever he wants or does the commissioner have to approve it? And it's just, you know, it's one of the reasons why they're all in this mess, frankly, because Snyder goes about doing things. In my opinion, I'm not saying it is a matter of fact. I don't want to get sued, especially during hiatus. But uh, in my opinion, this, the way he handles his business has resulted in these complications that he always seems to endure. All right, one more before we break. Corey Joskowitz, what's the most athletic thing you have ever done, Shireen? You were regaling us not long ago of your, I don't know if you said it on the air or not, but the 250-yard no, drive that you hit, which is probably farther than I've ever hit a golf ball, wind or no wind. Yeah, I'm a big golfer, Mike, and I've been playing awfully well. I was on pace on Tuesday to shoot in the 70s, and my last five holes weren't that great, so I ended up with an 81. So, yeah, pretty good golfer, pretty good tennis player, both of those, I would say. I'm pretty athletic, so I, I can do most things. I was for the fir- At my school, I was the first four-letter winner, four different sports um, at, at my school to ever, to ever win four letters in wow. four different sports. Wow. Well, that is impressive. Uh, I got nothing to add to that. I have done nothing that is uh, athletic. (laughs) I I will will say this, though. I used to run a lot, and because of that, I can't run anymore. 1986, 4th of July, I ran a 10K, 6.2 miles in 38 minutes and 40 seconds, which I paid for. I paid for it dearly the rest of the day because my friends and I, we went to Pittsburgh, 4th of July, fireworks, all that stuff. Well, I, I had a, a, a serious intestinal complication from pounding the pavement for 6.2 miles in 38 minutes and 40 seconds. So I was carrying around a bottle of Pepto-Bismol in a brown paper bag because I needed it. Uh, and people would say, hey, what do you got in that bag? Oh, Pepto-Bismol. Yeah, sure it is. <laughs> it is. It is. There was, there was much pink liquid consumed that day, and it was never mixed with anything else. Also, and this will surprise everyone out there who believes that I am completely and totally unathletic and that I am five foot three inches tall. Shireen can testify that I am at least five foot eight. I'm actually 5'11 and three quarters. 1988, and I have a witness for this, on a wooden indoor basketball court, I was never able to cleanly grab the, the ball and hold it and palm it long enough to get, to get it jammed through. I did, though, and I've, I, I, should have, I should have scarred myself. At once upon a time, I got my arm that high above the rim.
on a ten foot rim. Wow! Once upon a time, that's pretty. Impressive. I couldn't. I couldn't get. I, and my my friend and I, we were both trying our damnedest. We wanted to dunk so bad. You know, one guy throws it up, and the other one tries to get. And you get it, the timing has to be just perfect when you can't. When you can't. Yeah, you know, and you can't two handed. It's so much harder to jump up with two hands on the ball. Anyway, I I have a witness who will testify under oath that yes, on a ten foot rim, wooden floor, got it right there. I'll never forget that spot, but uh, I, I, I would remember it much more if I had actually been able to dunk the basketball. Let's take a break. We'll catch up on some Cowboys news, including a little trouble that Jerry Jones' team is in. Well, that's, that's uh, boy, they had that one ready to go. That's 135 pounds wow. 20 times. 20 times. Sims, bu- Sims doesn't believe it's 135 pounds. It is. I have a witness for that, too. Both my wife and you'll see I have another witness who was in the room as I was cranking out the 20. Thanks. There she is. Macy was wondering what in the hell is going on here. All right, let's take a break. We'll be back with more PFT Live right after this. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Mike McCarthy fined the Cowboys docked an OTA day in 2023 for physical practices. Second straight year, the Cowboys have been disciplined for violating the rules of the CBA regarding off-season workouts. $100,000 comes out of Mike McCarthy's pocket. Uh, and, and look, this happens. This happens because and it's not just the coach going out there and encouraging players to be excessively physical. What happens is you got grown men that want to go compete. You got guys who are trying to earn roster spots. You got 90 guys in the offseason program, and you only got 53 helmets that go to the players when September rolls around, and they want to impress the coaches. So part of the obligation of being a responsible coach in the NFL is dialing it back, is telling guys you can't do that, throwing them off the field or at least out of the fray, put them to the sideline if they're being too aggressive because that is going to get guys injured and it's going to get teams in trouble. And next year when Sean Payton's the head coach of the Cowboys, we'll have one fewer OTA day, Shereen. <laughs> we do see this a lot with new coaches, Mike, especially coming in. And we saw it with the Bears with Mike, uh, Matt Everflus earlier this week had the same thing. And now Mike McCarthy, but he's a veteran coach and he should have known better from last year, like how this should play out. And he talked about it a lot after getting a $50,000 fine last year about how they were trying to do things the right way. And it was only a handful of practices and all that. And now here they are again. And what this leads to, though, Mike, is more scrutiny next year from the NFLPA. We saw the Seahawks many years ago lose a draft pick for this same thing. So I would expect if the Cowboys do this again next year with whoever their head coach is, that they will lose a draft pick for three years in a row. So they're going to have to be extra careful next year. I think the reality is pretty much any team could be penalized every given year. How aggressive, though, does the union want to be? And and how far does it have to go to get the union to act? I know a few weeks ago there was a report of a fight during a Giants OTA practice. And look, they're only fighting if they are engaged in excessive contact. That's why a fight starts. 
in a minicamp practice or an OTA practice. Somebody takes exception to how aggressively another player was treating this no pads but still helmets workout. So it used to be a lot worse. It's still a thing. And you're right. New coaches, for a variety of reasons, they want to do a good job. They want to turn around a struggling team. And they've never been head coaches before. You've got a lot that you're trying to balance during practice. Worrying about whether or not your guys are being too aggressive may not be high up on your list of priorities. And you got a desperate coach in Mike McCarthy. And obviously he knows that Sean Payton is looming. He knows he's out there. Uh, and uh, he knows he's going to be coaching again next year, and he knows, if he read Playmakers or PFT, that Sean Payton was almost the coach of the Cowboys three years ago. But for Anthony Davis wanting out of New Orleans, Payton would have been the coach of the Cowboys three years ago. So, yeah, there's an urgency to get more out of this team, especially when the Cowboys seem like maybe their their talent is going the wrong way. Ezekiel Elliott is a guy who whose talent has kind of gone the wrong way in recent years. Here's McCarthy talking about his expectations – for the team's star running back, whose star may be falling in 2022. Do we have it? Oh, okay. Well, we don't have it yet. All right. Here it is now. We have it now. He said he expects Zeke to have his best season in the NFL yet, now that he's healthy. I know it's early, but you see any changes in Zeke? Well, I think the biggest thing with Zeke is he's completely healthy now and he's had a tremendous offseason. I mean, the weight that he's been pushing in the weight room, and just, you know, the numbers that he's been cranking out, you know, have been very, very impressive. You know, I, I can't stand to tell you it's been the best of his career, but he's he's in top shape. And, you know, at the end of the day, he's an extremely instinctive, tough, smart football player, great teammate. So I think he's definitely has set himself for, up for that. Yeah, hey, look, here's the bottom line. Tony Pollard's a better running back right now. Ezekiel Elliott is showing the signs of the wear and tear of six years in the NFL. That's just the reality. And the only reason he's on the team now is because his contract was negotiated to make his payments fully guaranteed a year in advance. His spot on this year's roster was set when he wasn't cut before the middle of March last year. And he wasn't going to be cut before the middle of March last year because his contract for last year was already guaranteed. That's the difference. You you build into the early years of the contract, especially for a running back, and this is why it's important to have a good agent. Your guarantees become fully vested this year for next year. Not for this year, but for next year. And you roll it that way, and you put the team in a position where they have to keep you around and they have to keep paying you. Yeah, and he's got no guaranteed money left after this year, Mike. $10.9 million salary next year, $16.72 million cap hit. This is going to be his last year in Dallas unless he agrees to a pay cut after this season. He did have that partially torn PCL last year, which I know limited in him, and he played through it. And he's become a great leader for this team. But as you said, he's not even the best running back on his team, much less the best running back in the NFL, which is what he was paid like back when he was paid for that. And he showed that in in his first three seasons. The only season of his first three seasons he didn't lead the league in rushing was the one he was suspended for six games. So they've said all the right things about Ezekiel Elliott this offseason, and he has done all the right things to set himself up to have a good season But they're only going to have one word for him in the offseason, Mike, if he doesn't play a lot better than he's played the last two seasons, and that's bye, because they're going to get rid of him if he doesn't perform better than what he's performed the last two years. 4.1 yards per carry, 61.9 yards per game over the last two years combined. He hasn't been 
playing like he's been paid. He has been paid way more money than how he has performed, Mike. So he does need to show, regardless of whether it's with the Cowboys or somebody else, he needs to show that he can continue to be, go back to being what he was early in his career at being one of the best running backs in the NFL. He hasn't done that. He's I've, declined I think every he's, year. I think he's out. I think he's out after this year. I think he's out after this year. And the money that they would give to him is going to Tony Pollard, and then they'll draft somebody else. They had no qualms about saying goodbye to DeMarco Murray. His reward for setting the franchise single-season rushing record was, see you later, we're not interested. And they would have already said that to Ezekiel Elliott if they didn't have a contract structure that forced them to keep him around. And, uh, yeah, it's amazing for a team that, that prides itself on being very shrewd, very shrewd when it comes to contract negotiations. They got the short end of it with Ezekiel Elliott and with Dak yeah. Prescott by delaying and, and assuming that they could just throw an arm around the guy and talk him into to doing a hometown discount. It didn't work, and they're still keeping Ezekiel Elliott around simply because of the fact that he put them in a position through his holdout where they had to give him this contract. We have to take a break. When we return, what we're going to do, we are going to bring out the crystal ball, and we are going to make – a semi-educated guess at some headlines that will be relevant when the hiatus ends five weeks from now. We'll do that next on this Friday edition of PFT. That is disturbing. The crystal ball. <laughs> sure is. Flornak. Karnak, Flornak. That, that, you know, they should play the old-time piano music for whoever came up with Flornak because that is a dated reference. Johnny Carson went off the air 30 years ago last month. Uh, so uh, anyway, um, since we're going to be on hiatus, we're going to make some predictions on where the biggest stories will stand when we return with training camps starting in the end of July. So let's begin. When training camp starts, the Deshaun headline, or the Deshaun Watson headlines, or the Deshaun headline Watson, will read what, Shereen? I think it's going to be he's placed on the commissioner exempt list, Mike, until they resolve the cases and however long that's going to be. And that buys them time until the cases are resolved or maybe he decides to pay them all off, which at this point is going to be a lot more money than it was at $100,000 for each case. And what, 18 of of those had agreed to take $100,000. It's going to be a lot more than that now for him to – settle these cases, Mike. But I do think he's going to be put, placed on paid leave despite what the commissioner said in March at the owners' meetings. I think things have changed enough that that's going to be the case. Hey, hey, look, I agree with you. And I, there's some Browns fans out there who are put in the awkward spot of trying to have to defend this guy, and it's one of the reasons why I think he should have settled the cases from the moment he was traded there so Browns fans didn't have to try to defend Deshaun Watson blindly. They say, I'm trying to speak it into existence. No, 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 it's 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 the only way out of this mess for the NFL right now yeah. because they don't know how many more lawsuits are going to be. It buys them time. And to the extent that Deshaun Watson says, I want to clear my name by focusing on this legal process, focus on it. Don't play football. Right now, no trials between August 1 and March 1. Well, if you're not playing football, you got time to knock out half of these cases, maybe. No, I don't know that you can get half of them done, especially with courts having their schedule set. But give him time to resolve these cases because I think he will resolve the cases. And secondly, they don't have to worry about the disciplinary officer when it comes to paid leave. The commissioner makes that decision completely on his own with no real appeal rights of any kind for the player. Baker Mayfield will be a what, Shireen, when training camp opens? 
I still think this is headed toward Baker Mayfield being traded to the Panthers, Mike, and I think he's going to be the starting quarterback of the Carolina Panthers on opening day this year. I think he's going to win that job despite it being so late in the process. He would be the best candidate for the job, the most experienced, the best resume of any of those guys, including Sam Darnold, if he would remain there with the Panthers. So I think he's going to end up with the Panthers, and I think he's going to be their starting quarterback on day one. You know, I think so as well because the Browns are not going to want to play a game with Baker Mayfield where, you know, we're going to keep your rights, we're going to squat on you, we're going to wait for some quarterback to get injured, and maybe we're going to hold you all the way through the trade deadline. He needs to go someplace where he has a chance from the start of training camp when he's healthy, when he's cleared, when he's ready to go to get ready and have a great season and set himself up for a big contract next year. It's not about the 18.8 this year. He's getting that one way or the other. It's about setting himself up for next year. So I agree they're going to find a way to work that out. And uh, they, they, they don't, I, I think, hold out any hope of him. And I don't even know if they want him to be the guy if Deshaun Watson's not available in 2022. Uh, so it looks like, in our estimation, both will not be available to the Browns for this season unless Watson would settle his cases quickly and then serve a suspension and return at some point before the end of the year. 49ers quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo will be a what, Shireen? Well, I think his situation is different, Mike. I think he's going to be with the 49ers, and I think he's going to be with the 49ers until a major injury happens to some starting quarterback in the league. And the reason is because of that shoulder injury. I mean, the 49ers have talked openly about that. They were ready to trade him, and they had some interest in him until he goes and has that surgery on on his shoulder. And until he shows he can throw the football and – and be the guy that he's been the past few years for the 49ers, then I don't think anybody's going to be willing to give up what it would take to get Jimmy Garoppolo. So I think he's going to remain with the 49ers at least into training camp so they can see him throw a little bit and what he can do. And then there's a major injury. I think he's traded somewhere else. And that may be into the season too, Mike. I don't discount that. But I think they do trade him at some point. I just don't think it's going to be before training camp starts. See, I... I... I think he will be cut not long into training camp if he even shows up at training camp. And they won't carry him into the regular season at a $25 million salary. And his salary isn't guaranteed until week one rolls around. I think he's trying to avoid the worst-case scenario of being there for training camp in the preseason. And then at the end of the preseason, they say to him, well, you know, Trey Lance is our guy. He's proven it. We can't pay you $25 million. So we're going to cut you unless you take $8 million. Just I'm throwing out a number that would be a fair yeah. backup payment to Jimmy Garoppolo, what's his other choice at that point? Because by then, all the other depth charts are set. I think he will be, and this is a guess, this is just a guess, okay. hunch, whatever. I think he'll be a member of the Houston Texans not long into training camp. Maybe not day one, but I think he'll be on the Texans, let's say, by August 1. Wow, that would be interesting to have Jimmy Garoppolo there uh, in Houston, and I like that roster, so if they have the veteran quarterback, I like Davis Mills too, but if you have Jimmy Garoppolo, who's more proven than Davis Mills, maybe you go win some games this year. I think, I think Garoppolo can be the difference between a four-win team and a, and a nine-win team. I think he can. The question is, are they interested Agreed. in doing that, or are they kind of slowly tanking toward whatever franchise quarterback they get? Last one, Kyler Murray's Shireen's favorite NFL player contract situation will be what when training camp opens 
I think it's going to be resolved simply because I think it has to be resolved. They can't take a chance on Kyler Murray holding out, which he could do uh, into training camp, into the season. I think they get this thing done. They're going to pay more than they want to pay, but that's what the market is right now, Mike. They've got to do that, and they've got to get this done. I think they will get it done, and I think that Murray's expectations will be softened by the fact that it was out there pre-draft. That, that at least there was an opportunity. There was an opening. If somebody really wanted to try to get Kyler Murray, they could have. And I think it was crickets. I, I think that, that that may have caused Kyler Murray to reassess what his value really is, given the inherent limitations to his game by virtue of the fact that he's, he's 5'10". Uh, so I, I, I think that, that they'll get a deal done that is a win-win that may not be what he thought he was going to get, but he's now better equipped to make that decision because it's not like the the Broncos came after him. They went after Russell Wilson, for example. Um, all right, let's go ahead and take a break. When we return and get closer and closer to the end of our run, at least for five weeks, we're going to do a draft of the things that we will be watching on TV or maybe elsewhere during our five weeks off. We'll do that right after this on PFT Live. Shereenisms. News on the headline. I sound like Sims now, right? There's a lot of talk here, Mike, and it's the news on the headline. Uh, headline. News on the headlines. Sound like Sims now, right? It's headlines in the news here everywhere. <laughs> Shereenisms. Chris Sims catching some shrapnel while he's sound asleep. Chris has two Love horses, Shereen. Did you see that? I did not see that. Wow. Two horses now. Texan now. He's got two horses, two African geese, two dogs. I, I told him I'm going to start calling him Noah. He's ready. He's ready to build an ark. <laughs> two of every animal will eventually be on Chris's property. All right. So we're going to be off for five weeks. We had no other ideas for today, although this one's kind of fun. During the next five weeks, while we are doing other things than watching football or making video content about football, what will we be watching on TV? Or I'm going to expand it and say movies, even though I haven't been to a theater in probably five years. Shireen, you're up. Well, I'm going to start. And the reason I have the Astros cap, I saved it for this segment, is I put it up there for this segment, Mike. So when I was a kid, I cried whenever the Cowboys lost. Like, I was emotionally attached to the Cowboys. I'm not emotionally attached to any team in the NFL now uh, and haven't been since I began covering sure, the Jan. NFL way long sure, ago. Jan. No, I'm really not. Sure, but But I do have two teams that I am emotionally invested in, and I don't cry anymore, but I will pout. When my Houston Astros lose or my Aggies lose, and my Aggies play today, they made the College World Series in Jim Schlossnagel's first season as the head coach. Surprisingly, those are the funnest teams when you don't expect anything out of them. They play Oklahoma today at 1 p.m. Kyler Murray is going to be at the game to see both of his former teams, and we know he's rooting for Oklahoma, and he's going to be so disappointed today when that happens. So I will be watching the College World Series, and I will be watching more baseball. Got to go to Houston on Sunday to watch John McClain throw out the first pitch in the Astros game, and that's the hat he got, which he gave to me for coming down to watch him throw out the first pitch. And no, it was not a strike. So, Mike, if you throw yours out, I want to see you throw a strike if you get to throw one out at the Pirates game. I, I was hoping that Texas A&M would play Alabama at some point, and both Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban <laughs> yeah. would be there and maybe get into a fist fight 
during the game. First cool. thing that's on my agenda, and it's been there for a few weeks now, I am going to see the Top Gun movie at some point in the next five weeks. I keep yeah. checking to see when it's going to be available to stream at home, and I have a feeling because it's doing so well and kind of reinvigorating the theater okay. experience, I'm going to have to actually go. So I'm going to do the pathetic old man thing and go at like 1130 in the morning when no one else is in the theater and watch it. So when I tap out one of these days from posting on PFT for a couple of hours, it won't be because I'm taking a nap. It will be because I've gone to the movies and will inevitably fall asleep there during Top Gun. Well, and I had that on my list as number two, Mike, because I've heard such great things about it. And you and I, we were in our 20s when the first Top Gun came out in 1986. And it was such a good movie, and it's such a good movie now. And if I want to see that, obviously we'll have to go to the theater to see that. And I also want to see King Richard. I started it on a flight and didn't get to finish it, and I do want to watch King Richard from start to finish. So those are the two movies I want to see, Top Gun and King Richard. And let's just be clear. When Top Gun came out in May of 1986, I was only 20 and you were 21. I just want to be clear on that. (laughs) It was in that three-month window of the year when I'm actually younger than you. I also, I also uh, will see, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm probably not going to be disappointed by Top Gun because by all appearances, it's great. Because the thing I hate about going to the movies is when I have high expectations, I am always disappointed. And the best experience for me is to have no expectation whatsoever. Like when we saw Coda, uh, which was best picture this yeah. year, I was blown away by it. I knew nothing about it, and it was just awesome. However, I'm going to suspend my general rule of thumb because I, this Elvis movie looks spectacular to me. I was never a big Elvis guy growing up, but I saw the trailer when it first came out, and I have a feeling it's clickbait. It's movie clickbait. They're going to cause me to go to the theater and see it, and I'm going to be thoroughly disappointed, but I, I predict that's going to be one of the things I do over the next five weeks. Well, and there's so many movies, Mike, and so many I haven't seen that, that I want to catch up on. But, you know, at our house, we have four TVs in, in the main room, and they're usually all on sports. And we're starting to get down to where now there's hockey. We did have hockey on the other day, and I do like hockey uh, when it's in this stage at Stanley Cup Finals. But most of our TVs are going to be on golf and tennis Uh, focused on that because we have so many majors coming up and of course I'll give NBC a plug now has the U.S. Open this weekend and that's all we had on yesterday switching around from network to network from Peacock to NBC to to wherever it was on yesterday uh, watching that so we'll have that on all weekend but I'm looking forward to Wimbledon as well we might get to see Serena for the final time and I truly want to see her. I think she's probably beyond that point where she can win a tournament. Love to see her do it, but I think it's probably not going to happen. But I want to see Serena Williams one final time. Well, Wimbledon always has had that kind of special vibe to it. My mom was a huge yeah. tennis fan, and uh, I, I used to play some tennis not very well at all. I had a serve that one out of ten was was a nightmare and unstoppable. The problem is the other nine all sucked. Um, <laughs> I, I here, here's here's and and this this is for the Twitter crowd out there that reacted to my observation last night about the first season of Fargo. I just recently completed that with Billy Bob Thornton and it it it, it was spectacular. And I said they should have just stopped with that. I've gotten some blowback. People who think Fargo season two was better than Fargo season one. Well. 
I watched season two and, and it doesn't really resonate and I didn't feel compelled to go back and watch it again. But in deference to those who believe that Fargo season two is some sort of a masterpiece, I will watch that while working starting today with episode one and I will make an assessment, a fresh assessment as to where it stands in relation to the season one edition of Fargo. Oh, I haven't watched either one yet, Mike, but it sounds like that's something that I need to catch up on uh, this summer, too, because there's so many of these series that I haven't seen, and that, that, that's one that I would love to watch, I think. Fargo is very dark, very dark, very well done. Billy Bob Thornton plays the role of villain extremely well, and it's a shame that he died at the end of season one because he would have been a guy they could have maybe continued to build around. I just gave away the, sorry, spoiler alert. The bad guy gets killed. But isn't that how it always goes? Uh, Let's go ahead and take a break. We'll wrap up our Friday edition and our run, at least for five weeks, of PFT Live right after this. Oh, uh, get rid of that. That that, that is not from... Get rid of that, please. That's proprietary information. (laughs) That is from the... 20k that they used to run in my hometown that was me and my dad 1986 right outside of his bar which was a stone's throw away from the finish line i ran that that year in like one 131 132 something like that that was a 20k though all right so uh and, and with some major hills okay so the world cup 2026 will be in north america canada mexico united states 11 nfl cities shireen hosting matches and you know what i'm concerned about the quality of the grass don't isn't the pitch isn't there a different quality to it and are they going to get it right and is it going to affect the play are there going to be complaints i'd be and and also we're talking are they going to put grass at sofi stadium are they going to do it on field turf these are all things i'm curious about now yeah, no, they have to raise up. Actually, at AT&T Stadium, they talk about they have to raise it up like 15 feet or something and put the grass on there. So, yeah, they've got to do a lot to these stadiums to get them ready to go. Well, uh, it's big money and it's a big event, and it'll be here before you know it, four years away. Five weeks away, we'll be back. Don't forget about us at ProFootballTalk.com, though. We'll see you real soon. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. America. 